0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. It's Raja from Melbourne, Australia. And this is episode 11 in this podcast series And in this episode, we'll go into some basic principles of buying a home, things to look out for, and some pitfalls that are potentially in front of you. Um, In this podcasting series, we've had 10 episodes so far discussing the principles of saving, the concept of paying yourself first, budgeting strategies, investing principles for the long term, and protecting yourself and your family with personal insurance. We've also looked at dead-paying strategies And the differences between an active and passive investor mindsets the impact of fees on your retirement nest eggs and some geeky economic principles i think the 10 episode series was a blueprint for the financial novice who needed some direction on how to get started and perhaps set in foundation some basic principles which they can always go back to so i think it's personally useful to revisit those podcast episodes once you've learned a bit about finance in general I also think it's useful to look at the various online resources, and I talk about this in detail in episode three, and I talk about some of the financial personalities that I listen to and learn from. And in episode two, which is kind of linked to this episode, I specifically talk about some mortgage tips and tricks, offset accounts, negotiating home loans, revisiting some loan conditions every six to 12 months, and looking at fees associated with home loans. In this episode, we'll discuss some basic principles of buying a home, some things to look out for, and how to use your head and not your heart in the home buying process. Having a system of purchase ensures you are less likely to miss crucial things. Buying a home is very personal, and it's probably one of your biggest purchases you will make in your life, and I find it interesting that how some people just buy a home after their first or second inspection. But when it comes to buying a piece of furniture or a car, they shop around online, look at various types and prices, go to various dealerships and then buy it. Part of the reason for this is that buying a home is such a personal experience and a good home is something we all want to live in, enjoy, raise our families and grow old in. But there are a number of things to consider and prepare for in your home hunting process. So let's get started. The number one thing you want to decide on before you look at homes is you want to decide on where you want to live, and part of that has to be affordability. For example, I'd love to live in Point Piper in Sydney, but it's not realistic. That's where millionaires and billionaires live because their house prices are just crazy high. So you need to come to a realistic answer to the question where do you really want to live? Now, part of this question is also what facilities are nearby and how they impact on your home and your lifestyle. And also, what is the time frame that you want to live in this particular place? Facilities-wise, if you have kids, school zones are getting more and more important in Australia, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney. A home in a particular school zone can easily add an extra 25 to 30% to the cost of your home. Suburbs in Melbourne, which is where I live, um, that are hot school zone areas at the moment are McKinnon, Baldwin, Glen Waverley, Ivanhoe, etc. School zone changes, I've heard of stories where people buy in zones in one area, but the zones have changed the next year. So, contact the school, get the official map, and don't just trust the selling agent because they might not be accurate in their ads. Who would have thought real estate agents not telling you the whole story? Now, shopping facilities. There are various tiers. Do you want to live next to a massive shopping complex such as Chadston in Melbourne or something mid-sized like Eastlands in Melbourne or Northland or more of a local shopping strip or complex which only has the essentials such as groceries, vegetables, hairdressers, post office banks, etc.? public transport living within an ease of access to a bus stop or a train line can be a massive advantage especially if you commute to and work from using a public transport system not to mention if you have kids who can use such services of course you don't want to be living right next to a train line obvious noise and traffic issues, um, which may hamper the price of your property in the long run. Now, today I got an SMS from one of the local real estate agents stating that there was a house in Blackburn um, Blackburn uh, North or South, I can't remember, just 200 meters from the Blackburn station. And uh, because of that, it you know beat the reserve price of more than two hundred thousand dollars above the reserve price. And that's an incredible story um, for those vendors that have sold that house. So living near a public transport access system is absolutely crucial in your home buying process and be prepared to pay a premium for it. Parks and pleasantries. I think this adds value to the home. Living in a family suburb near a large park or play equipment is considered an advantage for many young families. And I know it's a great selling point if you're a vendor. If you read real estate ads, they specifically mention this as a huge selling point. Now, point two, the size of your home and the configuration. Sounds pretty basic, but you need to figure out the number of bedrooms you want, the number of bathrooms, living areas you want. Do you really need a 50 square home or are you planning a big family or is it just you and your partner with no kids? What about entertainment spaces, noise restrictions, etc, etc. Generally speaking, you want a north facing home. This takes advantage of the maximum sunlight, but this can be difficult to get and be prepared to pay a premium for it. The configuration of the home For example, what I mean is I've inspected homes where the bedrooms are right next to the living areas, which can be quite disruptive if someone's watching TV and you're trying to get some sleep. For example, for all those shift workers out there who work night shifts, not a great configuration. Planning for the future. I feel it's important to buy a home which you will potentially live for at least 10 years. This means planning for kids, extra family members during holiday periods, etc. Christmas, Easter. Do you actually have spare rooms and space for all of them? Now, of course, you're not going to buy a house just for those periods of time, but if you're one of those people that invites people over all the time, you need to look at that as a planning commitment for your future home. The size of the land, this is extremely important. Generally speaking, homes are valued because of the available land. So if there's not much land, the home is likely to be cheaper. The building value itself depreciates over time, but the expectation is that the land appreciates in value. Now, every week, a 1,000 new families move to cities like Melbourne and Sydney, so land is very, very scarce. Australia is a very big country, but a lot of our country is actually not, in, uh, not habitable. A lot of it is desert. So land in Australia um, is worth a lot of money, and we are one of the most expensive countries in terms of real estate in the world. Now, I'm not totally against units uh, or apartments, but... You won't get the appreciation in price in the long term as much as independent homes because units or apartments don't have any or not much land at all. But they are cheaper to buy, so it depends on your budget and again depends on the other things that you consider such as your family size, your planning, etc, etc. Point number three, building and pest inspections. This is something you must do. I've almost been caught out not doing this, especially if you're buying an established home. Even if the home is within five years old, you'd be surprised what sort of corners builders cut when they're trying to complete a project on time to avoid penalties. Now, you don't need to get a building or pest inspection until you're quite serious about buying the home or about to bid it on auction, or obviously if you're considering demolition of the home immediately. There's no point getting a building or pest inspection. Also. Don't underestimate your own inspection. I routinely open cupboards, look under stumps, bricks, roofs, ceilings. It's not that hard to figure out what's been termite infested or not. And also, it potentially gives you a bargaining tool. Because if you find something, you can haggle with the vendor. Never take the agent's word for it. The agent, irrespective of their impartiality claims, they are working for the vendor. They're not working for you. You may want to invest in a buyer's agent, which is not particularly common in Australia, but certainly is very common in other countries like the United States. But always look and inspect yourself or get professionals in. Spending a grand here or there will save thousands in the future. Point four. Noise levels and what are the neighbourhood like in general? You would notice there is a method to the madness of open for inspections, usually during quiet periods on weekends. It's important to drive past the home at various times of the day and also on the weekdays. A good example is if your home is in a popular school zone, then don't be surprised if at 8am in the morning all the four-wheel drives come out with kids in the cars ready for school drop-off or pick-up in the afternoon. Some streets are used as rat runs by commuters in cars, so it's important to pay attention to this. Checking the traffic levels on Google Maps is an easy remote way of checking during multiple times of the day agents are not going to tell you this information and not going to tell you there is a kid next door who's constantly screaming or a dog which is going nuts every night so it's important to inspect the house from outside or in if possible at various times of the day and at various days of the week not just during the open for inspection times now there are some specific checklists during the inspections you need to make sure certain things work or at least in working condition lights power points power supply um, uh, natural lighting electrical lighting I think inspecting during the night will be useful some of the inspections can happen in the evening so check the ads for that water pressure I always open the taps during the inspection not all homes have the same water pressure and it's not easily fixed if you have a very low pressure system so it's important to check that hot water system this might be part of the building inspection but have a quick look at the age of the system do it yourself it's something that's likely needing to be replaced in the next you know one or two years or is it something that's likely to be replaced in the next five or ten years you know that can set you back a few thousand dollars if you buy a house and you know a week or two later the hot water system you know goes bust Um, so it's a powerful negotiating tool if you know that the hot water system is a bit you know dodgy from the beginning heating and cooling i learned the hard way bought a home didn't check the reverse cycle air conditioning and as soon as the renters moved in it didn't work properly so i was up for a few thousand dollars to replace it nightmare situation an unnecessary cost so i've learned from that one myself so make sure you put the heating on you put the cooling on make sure you check it during your open for inspections as well now of course once you've bought the house there's always a final inspection that you can do before handover so i suggest you do all of these things again and get people that you know and trust maybe a friend or a family member to come with you because when you have more people look at a home they're going to be looking at it from various perspectives that's really important because remember you want to buy a house using your head and not your heart point five zoning of the property always check for a statement of information which can be found on most real estate websites right now which gives an estimated price range always ask for a section 32 so What is a section 32? It's a legal document which is prepared by the vendor side and it must contain certain information about the property before a contract can be signed. Some of the basic information which must be in the section 32 includes vendor's details, title of the land details, building permits issued in the last seven years, so if there was a major renovation, this is how you find out, owner-builder warranty insurance, Mortgages and charges, caveats placed against the property. For example, if there was a carpenter that placed a caveat on the property for the works done because you didn't get paid for it, payment um, was not received by the carpenter, he or she made a place to caveat against that property. So that's really important to check that. Covenants and easements and actual land drawings and boundaries, really important. For example, some lands have a single dwelling covenant, which means you can't subdivide and you can't build multiple units on them. This is a big turn off for the developers, but excellent for the family who wants to live in a single and of course may bring down the price proportionately. And if you're one of those people that want to demolish and build a nice, beautiful, large home, the single home covenant is actually can be quite advantageous for you. Disclosure of any notices or orders like Vic Roads, you might have read in the newspaper about the Northeast Link in Melbourne, where some homes will need to be compulsory compulsorily acquired by the state government so it's a nightmare if you bought a home and find out a few years later there is a major freeway coming and you need to sell up at market value and have no choice about it services which are connected to the property this is important i've nearly been caught out by this one i inspected a property once in a nice eastern suburb then when i read the section 32 i found out that the water meter was actually shared between two independent homes so we had to share the water bill Quite clearly, this was a bit dodgy for me and certainly was a deal breaker. So it's really important to check what services are connected to the property. Sometimes some services are not connected to the property, such as electricity. So it'll be your responsibility to connect your home to the main grid once you bought the property. So that's a really important negotiating factor and something that you need to know so that you can explain to the vendor, hey, look, you know, if I bought this property, I need to spend an extra few grand to connect my house to the grid, Therefore, this is a negative thing for you and therefore that's a negotiating power or tool that you have. Zoning, this is important. You might um, be in a general residential zone or an industry or heavy industry zone, which can make a big difference to the final price. Now, generally speaking, a general residential zone one is probably your most preferred and the most lucrative home, and that's gonna you know, you're gonna have to pay a premium for that, particularly um, in your school zones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Information about outgoings for the property, such as council rates, water charges. It won't include electricity or gas rates though, because it's retail based um, and it's not primary supply based. But you need to check. What the council rates are, and you need to check what the water charges are. And lastly, if you're planning to demolish and rebuild, it's important to check out the frontage of the land and depth of the land. So you need to know the boundaries. You need to know the, um, you know, how how much the frontage is, how much the depth of the property is. It's extremely important because. You might not end up being able to build the home of your dreams if you're considering a demolition. I almost got caught out when I realized I probably wouldn't be able to have a toy room and a games room in my house that we built a couple of years ago, but in the end, the council approved it after making some modifications to the design of the home, so just don't piss off the council too much. Make sure you check all these things before you buy a house or land, uh, in which case you're going to demolish or build a brand new home. The other almost disaster situation I had was that I was about to buy a home and had a dream home design in place. But when I took it to the builder to ensure that I could demolish and rebuild, it turned out the shadows created by my new building, which is basically the uh, the footprint, would, obli- would obliterate the neighbor's garden space. And the builder warned me it may not be approved. And I checked with the council and I- absolutely the builder was spot on. That was a deal breaker. In other words, the house was um, okay to be built, um, uh, but if, if I wanted, you know, a double story house, um, I had to make some modifications. Otherwise the shadows would actually stuff up the neighbor's, um, open, you know, garden zone. So, and I didn't want to change my house design. So that was a deal breaker. So I almost bought the property, but decided against it because I had this, something told me that I had to check with the council and the builder. Um, the main issue was in that particular case was the house was facing west And at certain times of the day, shadows created by the second story will cover the garden of the neighbour. So, potential disaster avoided. So, you really need to pay attention to the nitty gritties to ensure you don't get caught out. So, we've covered quite a bit in this podcast about some of the home buying tips. Property is something I love. A lot of Aussies love it. We are the property nation. And I have to admit... I've inspected homes just for the fun of it. Sounds lame, I know, but it's important to keep an eye on the market. Remember, I talked about active versus passive investing in episode 9. Well, real estate buying is almost always active investing, although you can invest in index funds, which buy real estate as a whole. That's a different topic altogether. But generally speaking, Buying property is an active process. You need to actively go on websites, go to real estate agents, go to inspections, select a property, investigate the property, do your due diligence, and then you consider bidding on the auction to buy the property. So it's interesting how we don't even think about it sometimes as an investment, but it definitely is. Some Australians have all their money in property and real estate with little diversification. So we've talked a little bit about diversification in my previous podcast. So if you have all of your money in a property that you love, yeah, that's great. But you're opening yourself up to a risk of the market crashing if if and when it does. So it's a risk that we take. So if you're happy to take that risk, great. Australian property, to be honest, has done extremely well in the last 10 years. Um, they say property doubles every sort of 7 to 10 years. Mm, I'm not so sure about that, but certainly in major cities in Australia, um, the property market has gone gangbusters. Now, before I finish up, here is an interesting and mind-boggling data point for you to consider. In the last eight months, currently we're in August 2018, home prices across Sydney and Melbourne have fallen consecutively. Hobart seems to be one of the few cities in Australia that's doing really well. They're expecting a price growth of about 8% um, until 2021. But taking a long-term view, here's the data. The market always has a price cycle. So if you look at the graph starting at 1960, the wage to median home price ratio was 2.8. The wage, to, the wage being $2,923 per year, today, Um, It's around $75,000 per year. Median home price being about $8,300. Way back in 1960, today in Australia, it's $809,000. So today, the price-to-wage ratio or the price-to-income ratio is around 10. So we've gone from 2.8 to 10 over the last 50, 60 years. That's pretty crazy. So how does that compare to the rest of the world Sydney has a price to income ratio of 12.9 which is second highest in the world. Melbourne has 9.9 which is fifth highest in the world. The worst city in the world is Hong Kong which has 19.4 that's the price to income ratio. Other notable cities is Vancouver at 12.6. San Jose which is 10.3. Los Angeles at 9.4. London is 8.5 so Sydney is actually worse than London. Adelaide is 6.6. Adelaide is almost as worse as London. Australia was heavily represented in the list of 20 cities around the world, and we had five cities in that list. So, in Australia, property is expensive. What's going to happen? Like all things in life, it's impossible to tell, but recent reports and studies are suggesting the property market is cooling, especially in Sydney and Melbourne. But you know my investing philosophy, I invest for 30 to 40 years, so really... It doesn't really matter what's going to happen in the next five years because I think over time, with population increasing, we've just added our 25th millionth citizen in Australia and land actually becoming more and more scarce. We have metropolises in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, I think in the next 30 to 40 years, property will rise. The question is, I don't know whether it's going to rise as much as it has in the last of 10 years or so, but with more and more people coming to Australia more and more kids being born in this country, less and less land being available, especially independent land, then you have to draw your sums and say, well, the chances of the prices going higher in the next 30 to 40 years, which is a long-term, is going to be pretty high. So that concludes another episode, guys. Like always, if you have any questions or comments, please send them in. I'll aim to answer them as quickly as possible. Like always, My podcast is all about saving, retirement, compounding, and the concept of paying yourself first. I feel like I've discussed the basic concepts, so from now on, I will discuss about some of the interesting personal financial topics and aim to put a learning element to it. Until next time, pay yourself first and ensure you prepare to buy a home using your head and not your heart. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. This is Raja from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you.